Amen. We've been uh, in this series on uh, trust, amen. And I want to tell you, it's been a blessing to be in this series. Uh, The title of this series is Let Go and Let God. Trust in God when it doesn't make sense. Today I want to continue on in this series. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Genesis for me. Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. And look what it says. It says, then he proceeded from there to the mountain uh, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on continuing towards the Negev. I want to talk about this morning what to do when you're between Bethel and Ai. What to do when you're between Bethel and Ai. Trusting God when it doesn't make sense. A press release came out a while back in the Midwest city and it told of a hospital where the officials discovered that the firefighting equipment had never been connected. For 35 years, it had been relied on for the safety of the patients and in case of an emergency, they would have water to put out the fire. For 35 years, they thought that they were safe. They had polished the equipment. They had uh, had, they even had the equipment inspected, but they came to find out that the, but that the equipment was never connected to the water line. I wish I had somebody. The medical staff and the patients had felt confident. They felt confident in the system. They thought that if a blaze broke out, amen, they could depend on the water hose to extinguish the fire. But theirs was false security. I wish I had somebody. Although the equipment was costly, amen, although the equipment was there, it was never connected. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that we do the same thing? We put our trust, amen, in things that are not connected. Do I have anybody? We trust our bankers. We trust our car dealers. We trust, amen, our mechanics. We trust, amen, medicines. We trust our doctors only to find out at times they are not reliable. Do I have anybody this morning? The one thing I can tell you and I know that is that God has a proven track record. And if you look over your life, you can find, you'll find out that God is a God that can be trusted. We've been looking at Abram. We've been looking at how from from where he was in Haran. He was there in Haran for 25 years. Amen. He had left Haran and now he is in the land where it was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. You see, when you become, when you, when you're trusting God, saints, sometimes it may not look, and I told you that last week, it may not look the way you want it to look. Sometimes when you trust in God, I told you, amen, last week that Abram found himself going into Canaan, but the Bible says that he walked through Canaan, amen. He did not get comfortable with the bright lights, 
amen, the glitz and the glamour. He went to the place, amen, I told you last week, he went to the mountain of Moray. That place, Moray, means teacher. Amen. I told you that if you're going to trust God last week, I told you that the first thing you got to do is you have to seek spiritual advice. Oftentimes we're making decisions and oftentimes we're trying to, amen, do things without getting any spiritual advice. We've gotten advice from everybody else but God. Do I have anybody? I told you you got to stay strong no matter what you see. I told you, you got to stay committed to God no matter how it looks because remember when, when Abram got to Canaan, the Canaanites were still there. You would think that God would have wiped them out. God would have said, you know what? Let me make this journey a little bit easier for you. May I say this to you sometimes, amen. We want everything handed to us, amen, very easily. But you know what? Sometimes the struggle is good for us because the struggle will show you what you're made of. Do I have anybody? See, it's easy to trust God when everything looks good, when everything is going well. I wish I had somebody. And what we find is we find that Abram now moves his way. If you look at the, if you look at the, eight, the, the, the seventh verse, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And I told you last week, the reason God had to reaffirm the promise, because when he got to the land, it did not look the way he wanted it to look. And I'm talking to somebody here this morning, that it doesn't look the way you wanted to look. But may I say this to you, God is still with you. And God will always send a word to encourage you and let you know that everything is going to be all right. Today, we'll continue to look at the life of Abram. And we're going to look and see that it's possible to trust God when it doesn't make sense. We find here in the, in the seventh verse, it says, so he built an altar. And I told you that the altar represents something. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But he says the, he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And now verse 8 says that then he proceeded from the mountain of the east up on the east of Bethel, and the Bible says that he pitched his tent there. I want to give you a few side notes so you can put in your notes. First thing I want to tell you is this. Things may not always appear the way you want them to look, but you got to trust God. Number two, you may have a moment of doubt, and somebody here this morning, you're looking at your situation, and you're saying, man, it looks terrible. But I tell you something, you know what's beautiful about a bad picture? Amen. <laughs> Amen. God is the artist. Amen. And God, amen, he has his own Photoshop. <laughs> amen. He can take a picture and he can remake that picture. It doesn't matter how it looks. And somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. It, it's not looking good right now. But you got to believe that the God that you said that brought you this far is the same God that can keep carrying on in this journey. We find that Abram, his expectation and his reality didn't match up. <laughs> but what he did was he built an altar to God and for the first time in his entire life, because remember, he was a pagan worshiper. 
And for the first time in his life, he got to experience what we just experienced in this little moment that we've been here this morning. He got an opportunity to come into the presence of God, but most of all, he got an opportunity to praise God. I wish I had somebody. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. I want to tell you something. You got to understand that, yeah, you can read your Bible. You can, yeah, amen. You can sit at home and watch it on TV. But there's nothing like coming in the presence of God and lifting your hands and saying, God, thank you for all that you have done for me. The Bible says he proceeded from Mount of Moray. And he moves on, the Bible says, in verse 8. It says here in verse 8, he then proceeded from there to the mountain east of Bethel. You see, God promised Abram a great nation. He promised him land. He promised him divine divine blessings and he promised him divine protection. But what do you do when you're between Bethel and Ai? What do you do, hallelujah, when things just doesn't look Amen. Like it's supposed to look. So my first point is this. If you're going to let go and let God, if you're going to trust God, here's my first point to you. Don't settle no matter how it looks. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't settle no matter how it looks. It's easy to settle. It's easy to say, you know what? I've accept. Don't you accept that? Amen. Don't you accept less. Because the God you serve will show up and reaffirm to you, watch this, that I'm with you. God had to show up to Abram time after time and said, Abram, I'm with you. The Bible says that he's there and notice what he did. He didn't build a house. Watch the text. He pitched a tent. <laughs> and how many of you know that a tent is temporary? <laughs> And can you imagine this? Picture this for a minute in your sanctified imagination. God says all of this I'm going to give to you. But here you are looking at it and you're saying, man, I don't see nowhere we can get this. See, in your strength, you can't get it. In your might, you can't get it. But in God's power, he'll give it to you. Do I have anybody? The text says he's there and he goes and he pitches a tent. Amen. Can you imagine? Abram used to live good in Haran. He had people. He had property. Amen. And he had prosperity. He had all the peas that we're looking for in life. But I want to tell you something. It takes something to give up all of that and say, I'm going to go where God wants me to go. Do I have anybody? The text says that he, he proceeded from Mount of Moray to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched a tent there. Can I tell you something? Abram could have stayed there because it was the place that God had appeared to him at Moray. He could have gotten comfortable in that place, but he understood that the best was yet to come. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the best is yet to come. Don't you settle. And what I found out, saints, 
is that there are a lot of people, they start panicking and watch this, and then they settle in a temporary place where God says that's not where you're supposed to be. God told Abram, got up and he went on and the text says, and he went, he went with Bethel, the text says in verse 8, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Now, let me tell you what Bethel represents. Let me paint this picture for you. Bethel represents blessings. Ai represents, the word Ai is in the Hebrew, the word is ruined. That's what that word means. Ai represents barrenness. Ai represents, amen, ruin. And your camp between Bethel and Ai. And then, watch this, and then you, you, you still have to trust God. You can't be, you look into the West, you're saying, man, they got all the blessings. You look into the right and you're stuck in between that. What do you do when you camp between both the, that places? Watch this. The text says, the text says, the text goes on to say, watch this, watch this. The Canaanites had the good fertile land. Abram walks into Canaan and, and watch this. And he's trying to figure out, man, how am I going to do this? Saints, I believe that's what we all do. We're all trying to figure out how we're going to do it. But can I tell you something? Don't you forget the God factor. Don't you forget that God is bigger and greater than anything that you can even imagine. And when you camp between Bethel and Ai, there's something you got to do. I'm getting to it. <laughs> but the next thing you got to do, watch this, if you're going to trust God, the next point is not only must you not settle, but watch this, don't envy those that seems to be prospering. You hear what it said? Don't envy those that seem, that seem to be prospering. Because the devil will try to give you a picture that you're doing worse than them. But you got to remember who you have. You have Jehovah Jireh. You have Jehovah Nisi. You have Jehovah Rapha. You know, listen, you can call on God and guess what? He's going to show up right on time. Do I have anybody? The text says, here he is. He's camped between two places. A place of blessing and a place of ruin. And can I tell you something? The place of blessing always looks attractive. But you got to keep your eyes on the place where God has you. Because watch this, you may miss something. The text goes, the text goes on to say, and there he built, watch this, an altar to the Lord. May, may I say this? May I say this to you? You see, oftentimes when we don't know what's going on and when it doesn't make sense, the first thing that we take out of our Christian life is worship. The altar represents, watch this, sacrifice, worship, and God's presence. And oftentimes when we're struggling in this journey to trust God, the first thing we do is we exit Watch this, from his presence. So what I want to say to this is don't panic, but worship. What's that? Don't panic, but what? Worship. Somebody here this morning, you got to get your worship on. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you this. This was the second altar 
that Abram had built. And in this second altar, Abram understood that his deliverance was in his praise. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. Your victory is in your praise. You got to praise him when it doesn't make sense. You got to lift your hands and say, God, I understand how hard it is. I see my enemies prospering and I see the desert on the other side. The devil tried to ruin me, but I'm going to praise you anyhow. You see, it takes something for somebody to say, I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to call on his name. Why? Because he is God. And no matter what it looks like right now, you got to hold on to his unchanging hand. Weeping may endure for a night. Come on, somebody. But joy is going to come in the morning. When you camp between Ai and Bethel, you got to look to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you in the midst of my situation. Somebody here, I want to tell you that praise is like allergy to the devil. When you start praising him, he got to leave the room. When you start praising God, listen, in the midst of what you're going through, you got to realize that trusting God when it doesn't make sense is about your worship. It's about your service. It's about your amen. It's about you saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And here he is. You know, when I saw this, I thought about how many people panic. How many of you panic? First sign of trouble. Listen, you've prayed and asked God for that job. You go to the job and they're giving you all kinds of hell and you're wondering, is this Bethel or AI? Because I'm stuck in between. I left my family. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Listen, 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 listen. We just got, we got married. I left my family. Amen. I left my friends. Amen. And it seems like all we have is hell going on in this house. But I want to tell you something. Somebody got to be big enough. Somebody got to be wise enough. Somebody got to say, you know what? I understand that we're in an unfamiliar place. I understand that we are really in the desert. But you know what I'm going to do? Listen, why don't, listen, you don't need no instrument to praise him. I wish I had somebody. You don't need no drums to praise him. When you're stuck between Bethel and Ai, you're stuck. Your enemy is there and ruin is there. And you're saying, God, this just doesn't make no sense. Why are we arguing so much? Why are we fussing so much? You know what you need to do in your house? You need to tear down those high places and you need to erect an altar of praise to God. You know what a high place is? A high place in the Old Testament time was a place where they would put their idols. And when you walked in the house, it was said that your idols needed to be above you. I wish I had somebody. But we serve a God who's everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Amen. He's omnipotent. And let me tell you something. You don't need no rock to worship. Amen. Two. 
You can worship God right where you are. That's the beauty of serving Jehovah Rapha. That's the beauty of serving Yahweh because he can be called on anywhere and anytime. The text says, hallelujah. Moses built an altar. You know, the altar was a place of worship. Watch this, where God was adorned. Can you imagine this? Picture this. You're looking to the right, your left, you're looking to your right, and you're saying, man, how many of us really do this? We talk about it, but how many times do we really do it? The altar was a place also of testimony. When when Abram built the altar, he was given a testimony to the, watch this, not only to the people who came with him, but the pagans that were around him. That, listen, I may have gotten the bad land. I may be camped in the, I'm, listen, I may be between, be between a rock and a hard place. My back may be against the wall. But the one thing I realize is if I can start praising, if I can start worshiping, all of a sudden I start making movement. Watch this. Every now and then you got to open your mouth and you got to say hallelujah. You got to open your mouth and say thank you Jesus. You got to open your mouth and say praise God. Glory be to God. Here's my testimony. I was broken and the Lord found me. Here's my testimony. Weeping may endure for a night, but God has taught me how to have joy again. Watch this. Here's my testimony. I was broken and barren and bruised, but God picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on a solid ground. Listen, here's my testimony. He hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cross. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They dropped him low. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power. That's my testimony. And when you're between that place, hallelujah, don't panic. Somebody here this morning, you panic too much. From the first sign of trouble, you panic. Praise, don't panic. Watch the text. I'm going to sit down. The text says, watch this now. The text says, I'm still in verse 8. Look what he says right there. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Watch this, read it with me. And what did he do, y'all? Oh, hallelujah to his holy name. What did he do? He called upon the name of the Lord. So here's your answer. What do you do when you're between Bethel and Ai? You know what you do? You call on the name of the Lord. Here's the last thing you got to do. This is for somebody. It's going to help somebody. Don't complain. I'm saying one more time. Don't complain, but what? Oh, oh, I can't believe this, Pastor. I can't believe this. I can't believe what's going on. It's, it's bad. It's rough. It's tough. You don't understand my story. You don't know where I'm at. Stop complaining. 
and call. See, praise is one aspect, but calling on the Lord. You know what that word call means? Watch this. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said it was the first time that Abram preached. That word call means to preach. In other words, you got to tell somebody about how good he's been to you. You got to open the word and says, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, they come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fall because I got a word from the Lord. The Bible says he called on the name of the Lord. And I want to tell somebody, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to to it and are safe. Do I have anybody? The name of the Lord will bring you out when you have nobody else to call. You call on the name of the Lord. Saints, I want to tell you stop complaining and start calling. Stop complaining and start trusting. Stop complaining and start worshiping. Stop complaining about your condition. Stop complaining and trust God. Do you know him today? Have you tried him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to his holy name. Call on the name of the Lord. He's camped in a bad place. And the text goes on to say in verse 9, he went down as far as the Nagav. Somebody here, you're in the Nagav. You're right there in this desert place. And you're trying to figure it out. But God is saying to you, worship and call on my name. And when you call my name, oh, I'm going to come running. Because guess what? You got the Holy Ghost inside of you. Hallelujah. You are empowered. And listen, you can say the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You can say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, yeah, he leads me beside still waters. He, yeah, amen. He restores my soul. Amen. Amen. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I shall fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. Do I have anybody? What do you do? When you're between Bethel and Ai. Hallelujah. You call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Recently, a leadership center did a survey, a study, amen, of different organizations. They, they did a a study of over 35 corporations from healthcare to nonprofit organization to government. And this was the conclusion of this study. They found out that the number one identifiable problem in most of these companies was distrust in senior management. Amen. And further analysis found out that there was distrust among employees. Distrust, distrust among senior management, 
But senior management also distrust the employees. We like, they said they likewise found in many organizations, senior managements distrust other senior management. Isn't that something? For, for, from, from, it says, from our in-depth leadership development work with senior officers, middle management, and employees in hundreds of this organiza- different organizations, the single most reoccurring source of pain people feel within an organization is typically described like this. We don't have a lot of trust around here. Thanks. If you can't trust your spouse, if you can't trust your kids, but here's the thing, if you can't trust God because they look bad, you got a problem in your